Bibles out. On the back of your bulletin, it's blank, and that's a place for sermon notes. And again, there's a pen right in front of you. And I know God's going to speak to you this morning, so I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles out and your sermon notes. And uh, today we have a special uh, guest, but he's not really a guest because he's part of our church family. He has been for many, many, many years. Uh, but obviously we weren't uh, here last night. And so I asked Pastor Joel uh, to share this weekend and um, I just, I so appreciate Pastor Joel's heart. Uh, he is leading our youth ministry so well and our connections team. And uh, I am just grateful for God giving him to us and, uh, and for so many years as well. And I know he has a word from the Lord for us this morning. Would you welcome Pastor Joel as he comes this morning? Good morning. Um, thank you all for being here today. And uh, I do want to make sure that I express my gratitude um, for the opportunity to share uh, what God has been showing me and, uh, and what he has been speaking to my heart. Um, some of you I've known for quite some time. Um, some of you maybe not so well. And uh, you're probably wondering, uh, why is there a strange man talking into the mic? Uh, but uh, allow me to tell you just a little bit about myself. Um, and maybe uh, just to clear, clear some things up. So um, I've been attending Christian Life Church uh, for almost 10 years, uh, believe it or not. Uh, this fall uh, will be 10 years. Of those 10 years, uh, eight years, um, I served with our youth ministry. Of those eight years, seven years, I was a youth leader. Uh, one year, I was a youth pastor, which was just this past year. Um, and I got connected to the church through college, which is Christian Life College. Um, and so now I'm the high school pastor, I'm the college pastor, um, and I also oversee our connections ministry, uh, which also includes ushers and greeters. Um, and uh, since I, I'm already up here, I am looking to add to this team of ushers and greeters. Um, if you think you're kind, polite, and welcoming, um, and just the right amount of socially awkward, um, come see me afterwards. Uh, you might just be the perfect person. Um, and, uh, you know, it has, been, it has been quite the journey um, to, to get to where I am now. And uh, if you would have told me when I first got here, I would be doing the things that I was doing, I would, um, young Joel would have probably laughed in your face. Um, not, because, not because the work wasn't good enough, uh, but because I felt that I wasn't good enough. And I ran from the idea of, of being a pastor for, for quite some time. Um, and in fact, a part of me is still battling this. And, um, and I made it about me and I made it about my ability. And uh, how many of you know that it is not about us to begin with? And how many of you have learned that in our weakness, his strength is made perfect? Um, and needless to say, God had other plans for my life. And... Um, he got me exact, to the exact place I needed to be exactly when I needed to be there. And everything that has happened in the last 10 years has led me here in this moment before all of you. Um, so no pressure. Um, uh, but this is my first time speaking during our main week in service. And uh, depending on how it goes, it could be my last. Um, 
So uh, I, you know, I, I want to just reiterate, let's, let's cherish this time we have together because uh, it, it might not happen again. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I don't take this lightly uh, because I believe God doesn't take it lightly. Um, and I hope that you don't either. Um, and uh, I believe with all my heart God is wanting to do a great work in our lives today. In fact, I believe he's already done a tremendous work in our lives just, uh, you know, just earlier in, in our service. But I also think he wants to do even more than what we expected. And, um, and it is an absolute honor to be able to minister his word, um, to share his heart. And uh, uh, it's just an honor to, to be able to be a part of what God is doing. And I ask that in the next few moments that we have together, uh, you would tune in and let any other distractions take a back seat. Um, not because I think I deserve it, but I think God deserves it. Um, Amen? So I would like to pray before we start, um, and uh, we'll, we'll open up the word. God, I thank you for this time. I thank you for this morning. God, I thank you um, for every heart that is represented here. God, you have brought us here together on this day for this very moment, and we thank you that you want to work in our lives. And I pray that you'd open our hearts and open our ears, and may we be able to tune in to what you are doing. God, we will give you all the glory, and if there's anything Anything that isn't of you, God may it fall to the ground. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so, in case you can't tell, uh, me and my family, we're not from this part of the world. Um, we are from India. Um, and specifically, we're from a state called Gujarat. Um, say it with me. Gujarat. Um, and if you're able to, feel free to roll that R. Um, but that's where I'm from. And obviously... Uh, we didn't stay in that part of the world. And uh, I am the youngest son of immigrant parents who came to this country in the early 90s. Um, and, when, uh, and when they came to this country, I was only just a year old. And uh, it was me, my mom, my dad, and my older brother, who was 11 at the time. And in fact, I think I have a picture of us at the airport. That's O'Hare. Um, obviously, the bundle of joy is me. Um, and that is, that is my family. Um, and they actually weren't able to be here today. They're in Florida uh, with my brother and his family, um, just, just kind of helping them out. So, uh, so we lived in Chicago. We moved to Chicago. We lived in Chicago. And uh, I'm sure it took some time for them to get accustomed to the culture change and the culture shock. Um, and there was a lot to adapt to, new jobs, new school, just a completely different environment, uh, a new home, and just a new direction in life. And uh, one thing I know that did not take long is that they learned that the city of Chicago and the surrounding suburbs were obsessed with the Chicago Bulls. Um, they came in 92, and uh, this was the middle of the Bulls dynasty. And if any of you remember at the time, uh, Jordan wasn't just the king of Chicago, he was quickly becoming a global phenomenon. Um, everything was Chicago Bulls. Um, and uh, so I grew up watching basketball. And I cannot help but have fond memories of my aunts, my uncles, my cousins, my grandparents, my parents. I'm talking everyone and anyone just huddled around a TV and cheering the Bulls on. So basketball has been a big part of my life um, for as long as I can remember. And then in the sixth grade, um, I found a love for football. Um, I, was not, I was fascinated by the sport, how much strategy went into every play, um, and just how much preparation went into um, just every game plan. Unlike basketball, I was coordinated enough to participate in football. 
um, and, and to play with my friends, and it quickly became uh, one of my favorite pastimes. Um, and to this day, my love for basketball and football remained pretty strong, um, and that was about it. That's really all I ever dove into, um, which brings me to my dilemma that I had just a few months ago. Um, I had the opportunity to go to a Chicago Blackhawks game. Um, now, I don't care for hockey. Um, I don't know the rules. I don't even know what separates a good team from a bad team. Um, I know, you know, puck in the net and hit hard. Like, that's, that's about it. Um, and, uh, you know, even a, a few years ago, the Blackhawks won a couple titles. Um, I was happy for the hockey fans. Good for you guys. Um, if they won or lost, I wasn't really going to lose any sleep. Um, so, but, hey, good, good for you hockey fans. Um, however, the opportunity that I had to visit a Hawks game, uh, it wasn't just a regular Hawks game. I had the opportunity um, to, uh, to enjoy VIP box seats. VIP box seats. I'm talking snacks, hot food, beverages. You, you pick a dessert from a dessert cart, a dessert cart. This, this person comes up, they have a cart on every side, and you just pick what you want. It's great. And uh, most importantly, there, there is no waiting in line. There's, there's always just these side entrances. You kind of just sneak in, and you just go up to your box, and you don't have to worry about the rush or anything. It's great. Um, but I didn't really care for hockey. But I do care for food. I do care for drinks. I do care for desserts and skipping lines. Um, so after praying about it and seeking the Lord, I made the very tough decision of humbling myself and, uh, and, I, and I enjoyed these box seats. It was great. All I had to do was just show up. Everything else was included. So, and it wasn't, you know, uh, it wasn't long before I realized that I actually started to get into the game. I actually started to get pretty invested in what was happening. And all of a sudden, um, before I knew it, I was screaming and yelling when something went against the Blackhawks. And I was rejoicing and cheering when something went for the Blackhawks. Um, I had no plans of doing this because, again, I don't care for hockey. Um, but all of a sudden, um, I started to really get invested. I really started to, all of a sudden, get emotionally invested in, this outcome, uh, in the outcome of this game. And no one taught me how to cheer, and no one explained to me how to get involved. It just happened. I just did. Um, there was just something in me that told me I need to engage my team and let them know that I was there to lift them up. And I believe that you and I are made to lift up. I believe you and I are made to exalt. I believe you and I were made to worship. There is something in the heart of man that we are wired this way. There is something in the very fabric of our being that we cannot help but to worship something. Now, when I say worship, most of us think it's being at a church or at home or being in your car, uh, singing at the top of your lungs, raising your hands. If you're driving, don't lift your hands. Um, and yes, this is an expression of worship. Um, and even what we did today is an expression of worship. Um, but I also believe the roots of worship go much deeper. And uh, let's look at our first passage today. So if you have your Bibles, um, Exodus chapter 32, verses 1 through 6. Um, as you find the verse, uh, let me set some context for what is taking place. So the people of Israel, they were enslaved in Egypt, and they were set free. They came to a wilderness called Sinai. 
Um, and they set up camp there at the base of a mountain called Mount Sinai. And uh, uh, real, quick, uh, real quickly, uh, Exodus 24, 18 says, uh, Then Moses entered the cloud as he went up on the mountain, and he stayed on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. And God called Moses up to this mountain to reveal the law to him that he had for his people. And Moses is with the Lord at the top of the mountain, and he is receiving the word that the Lord has for him and for the people of Israel. This is also the time that uh, the, the Lord gave Moses the Ten Commandments. This is just during that time period as Moses is at the top of the mountain with the Lord. And Israel, the people of Israel, are at the bottom of the mountain waiting for Moses' return. So uh, follow with me as we read uh, verses 1 through 6 in Exodus 32. Um, and if you are taking notes, my first point is we are made for this. Uh, verse 1, when the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back, sorry, uh, to come back down, the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said, make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So Aaron said, take the gold rings from the ears of your wives and sons and daughters and bring them to me. All the people took the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. Then Aaron took the gold, melted it down, and molded it into the shape of a calf. When the people saw it, they exclaimed, O oh, Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Aaron saw how excited the people were, so he built an altar in front of the calf. Then he announced, Tomorrow will be a festival to the Lord. The people got up early the next morning to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. After this, they celebrated with feasting and drinking, and they indulged in pagan revelry. Um, this is not good. And, uh, you know, how many, no matter how many times I read this passage, it just, it, it, it never fails to just hit home and, and just help you understand um, some of the deepest desires that we have as individuals. And that's what I want to get into now. So God set them free from bondage and slavery and gave them all they needed for the sustaining of life, just like he does for us. And during the time Moses was gone, they already turned to other gods. And as I read from Exodus 24, he was gone 40 days, 40 nights. So sure, it was a long time, but it wasn't as long as they were enslaved in Egypt, but it was a long time, 40 days, 40 nights. And you see, the children of Israel understood one thing. We were made to worship. During Moses' absence, they grew impatient and started murmuring and complaining. But along with that, they expressed the deepest desire that we have as mankind, and that is a desire to worship. They had a longing to offer up themselves to something. They couldn't help themselves, they just had to do something. They wanted to just worship something. So they settled for anything. Uh, verse 1 says, when the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down to the mountain. That's how this, that's how this chapter start, starts. When the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down. And I, I find this very interesting and very convicting. How often do we do this? How often do we grow impatient with the Lord, and suddenly our worship is directed 
toward other things. How often do we turn our attention away from the Lord and onto how long it's taking him? How quickly we find ourselves offering up ourselves to things that were the alternative. Now, I understand no one is going to build a golden calf and bow down to it. Um, idol worship in the traditional sense is a Eastern idea, Eastern culture, and Eastern religion. But maybe for us, in our world, in this part of the world, idol worship looks a lot like our jobs, our belongings, our friends, and our relationships. Things that were meant to be pastimes and hobbies all of a sudden have our full devotion. And before we know it, through our time spent, our money spent, and the space these things occupy in our hearts, we begin to exalt things above the only one who is worthy of exaltation. Whatever your heart longs for, that is your God. Um, let's take a look at Job, chapter 1. Um, Job is a very, very fascinating character. And his story is um, very well known. And I think a part of the reason why it's so well known, because it's so unique. Um, I don't think there's another story in, in, the, in the Bible that can compare um, to this story of Job that, that takes place in chapter 1. And um, so I'm going to start at Job chapter 1. I'm going to start at verses 13 to 20. Um, and again, let me, let me set the scene just real quick. Um, so he had everything. He had money, fortune. He had land, family, cattle, livestock. And it wasn't just for him, but it was for generations to come. Job and his, and his, uh, his family and their family and their family, so on and so forth, they were set. So Satan appears before the Lord and said, the only reason he loves you, the only reason he's as devoted to you as he is, is because he has so much. So God said, okay, I'll allow you to test him. Touch his possessions, but don't hurt or harm him physically. So what we're about to read, I think, is one of the most devastating occurrences that any person can go through. Um, and again, I'm going to start at verse 13. Excuse me one second. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting at the oldest brother's house, a messenger arrived at Job's home with his news. Your oxen were plowing with the donkeys, feeding beside them. When the Sabaeans raided us, they stole all the animals and killed all the farmhands. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. Before I go any further, real quick, by a show of hands, how many of you have ever been in a situation where it feels like everything that can go wrong is going wrong? And one problem occurs, and you give it, you give it your attention, and the moment you turn your back, there's two other problems that happen way on the other side. Um, I, think, uh, I think Job can relate to us. Uh, we'll pick up at verse 16. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. The fire of God has fallen from heaven and burned up your sheep and all the shepherds. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, a third messenger arrived with this news. Three bands of Chaldean raiders have stolen your camels and killed your servants. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. Here it is. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. 
your sons and daughters were feasting in their oldest brother's home. Suddenly, a powerful wind swept in from the wilderness and hit the house on all sides. The house collapsed, and all your children are dead. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. This is the verse that I want to focus on. What's Job's reaction? What would our reaction be? Verse 20. Job stood up and tore his robe in grief, which is understandable. Then he shaved his head and fell to the ground to worship. He was grieving. We can relate to that. And he fell to the ground and he worshiped. I can't relate to that. He fell to the ground to worship. Why would he worship? I don't know about you, but my reaction would have been a little more PG-13. <laughs> my reaction, I probably couldn't repeat, from up here. And I think you guys would agree with me. I don't think I would have displayed the same godly response that Job did. But I wanna, what I want to get to is why. Why was he able to respond that way? Why did he worship before anything else? Why was this his response to him just losing what seems to be everything? Maybe because he didn't lose everything the way that we see it. Maybe he didn't value those things the way that we might have valued those things or do value those things. Maybe he could still worship because it was never about what he possessed that made God worthy. Maybe God was worthy all by himself. Maybe our circumstances don't determine our choices as much as we think they do. You see, regardless if we are at the mountaintop of life or at the bottom of a valley, God is still God. And if God is still God, he is still worthy of our worship. And in your difficulty and in your challenging circumstance, it's not easy, but I urge you to remember who God is. And out of that realization, I believe worship can still flow, even in the midst of chaos. Um, last passage I want to share with you guys, Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 16. Um, oh, sorry, if you guys are taking notes, my second point was worship is all about him. Um, and my third and final point is God just wants you. You know, as I spent time, as I spent time for this message for this weekend, um, I quickly learned a powerful truth, and that is God desires a deep relationship with us. And uh, let's, let's read Deuteronomy. But be careful. Don't let your heart be deceived so that you turn away from the Lord and serve and worship other gods. As I was doing some research, as I was doing some studies, as I was uh, just looking up verses, there were countless verses that I kept reading over and over again. No other gods. No other gods. No other gods. No one before me. No other gods. And this leads me to believe that God desires a deep relationship with us. the individuals, the people who are made in his image. That's us. But unfortunately, we are fallen, 
and we live in a fallen world, and we are so prone to turn to other things. We are prone to turn away, as verse 16 states. Our hearts are constantly being tugged at by the things of this world, and we are constantly looking for something to exalt because we were created for it. There's nothing you can do to change that desire. That is just who we are. That is how God saw fit. And we were created to worship and glorify Him. And, you know, this, this past winter, I don't know about you, but it was a horrible winter. You know, when it, when it snows six inches, six inches in April, it's a bad winter. Like, really bad. And, uh, you know, personally for me, I'm so relieved just to have good weather again, just to see the sun again, just enjoy some warm weather. It just feels good. And I know this time of year, everyone travels. You know, we book vacations, we book time away, um, uh, week-long getaways just to kind of disconnect from the things around us, to relax, to unwind, to get away from the busy busyness of life, and to get away from our daily grind, because it can be grinding. And we do all these things hoping to restore our joy and our mental health only in just a few months to jump back right into the craziness come fall. And life just gets crazy again, and we just can't wait for the next year for summer. Maybe I'm the only one. But listen to me. I, I, I'm in no way saying that vacations are wrong or they're sinful. Don't get me. Don't say that. That's not what I'm saying. Um, but what I am saying is some of us don't need a vacation. We just need to spend some time in God's presence. And, uh, you know, uh, millennials have this buzzword that we use, um, and uh, it's, uh, the, the word is hangry. Um, hangry is a combination of two words, hungry and angry. Um, for, for some of you young people, you know what I'm talking about. And we, we use this word hangry for individuals who are kind of on edge, you know, who are kind of, you know, something just seems off about them, and they just seem like everything is just irritating and you don't want to be around them and they just have a scowl on their face and all they really need is just something to eat. And so we say, hey, you know, are you feeling okay? Yeah, I'm just hangry. You know, I just, I just need some food. Uh, we, we think it's this deep, devastating trauma that someone is going through, but they just haven't ate lunch. Um, and so, so this term hangry um, is, is something that I use almost on a daily basis because it applies to me. It applies to me and a lot of my friends. Um, and, and I think that we need to be intentional about feeding our souls. I think we need to be intentional about feeding our hearts and our minds. Some of us are going through difficult times and we're just spiritually hangry. We are going through a difficult season of our lives, maybe, and we are down and frustrated, and nothing seems to be going the right way, and we just don't know what it is. 
Sometimes it could just be that your soul hasn't been fed. Sometimes it could just be that you haven't spent time enough in God's presence. Some of us are just spiritually hangry. We just need to be fed, but we don't realize it. And a nurturing, this nurturing that can only be provided by the Lord. I believe this is the heart of the Father, wanting full custody of his children, not just the weekends. If, if you only knew how much he wants you, if you only knew how much he loves you, if you only saw yourself how he sees you, if you only accepted the fact that he is for you and not against you, I promise you that if we truly grasp this truth, we wouldn't want to be anywhere else but just in his presence. And the beauty of it is we don't need to fix ourselves. This is a common misconception. We don't need to clean ourselves up. It's not in our own strength anyways, so why even bother? Why not surrender and let God be God? And, you know, I, I'm sure no one here does it, but I do it all the time. Um, there are, uh, I have a really bad habit of leaving dirty dishes around. I have a really bad habit of eating something and kind of just letting it sit there. And instead of cleaning that plate, I'll just grab another plate and let it sit there. Um, now, again, I'm sure all of you clean your plates as soon as you finish your dinner. Um, however, but as these dishes sit around, um, they start to get, like, just gunky, and it's gross, and you're like, man, I am a pig. How did I, how did I let it get so bad? Why was I so neglectful of this? And then all of a sudden, we find ourselves scrubbing away, scraping away at this gunk, and it just, it, it just doesn't seem to be budging. Just throw the plate away, I don't know. Um, but but the, the, other way, the other way that you can do it, and I heard this analogy before, and the other way that you can do it is get a bin, get some warm water, put some dish soap in there, kind of stir it around, let the bubbles get going, and just let the plates sit in there or whatever, your, your, your glasses, your cups, your mugs, whatever it may be, just let it sit there and let the dishes soak. And I think for some of us, I think this is a word for you, is stop trying to scrub some of this stuff away. Stop trying to, out of your own ability, spend so much time, spend so much time and waste time when all you need to do is just soak in his presence. When all you need to do is just spend some time with him and let him take care of the things in our lives. Um, I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. Um, I understand that we had a very, very powerful time of worship. Um, but with this message, with, with you hearing the word of the Lord, I would like to give you an opportunity to respond. I wanted to give everyone an opportunity to just chase after God, to exalt him and to worship him, and to just be in his presence. Within these next few moments, let us enter into 
the holy place together. A place where sickness cannot stay. A place where anxiety and depression are swallowed up in the peace that passes all understanding. A place where his healing light pierces the deepest and darkest places of our hearts that nobody knows about, not even the person next to you. A place that we can rest and put away the masks that we have carried for so long. A place where we don't have to pretend to have it all together. And we can just fall apart in the arms of our Heavenly Father. I invite you to a place of worship, a place that I hope we return to many, many, many times over. Because he is worthy. And without him, we're nothing. So let's worship together. <clears throat>